podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news, news, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Hello to you, the podcast listener, and welcome to episode number 45 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Sean Basto, your host here, as always, looking to discuss the action from last weekend. We've got two great fights to discuss, which I'm sure you'll have already caught up on. And then we've not got nothing to discuss for next weekend, unfortunately, because it's a very quiet weekend. Just before boxing season really, really starts to kick in again. We have got boxing history this week and on this day, and we have got news and gossip with there's quite a few bits to discuss this week for news and gossip so I'm quite excited to to go through some of the announcements that have been made over the last couple of days and go through them with you and give you my thoughts it is just myself again this week Uh, Hamed Zaman should be back with us next week I'm looking forward to getting Hamed back on and getting his thoughts for some of the fights that we've heard uh, over the past couple of weeks so let's crack on let's get to the two fights from last weekend I think the first I like to start with today uh, is Isaac Dogbo's victory over Otake. Dogbe, the young, ferocious champion who first on the scene. Big left hook comes raining in. Oh, and another one. Otake trying to secure himself. Look at this barrage from the champ. It is over. That is it. So Isaac Dogbe, as the Americans call him, I think that's the right way of pronouncing it. I don't know, I've always called him Isaac Dogbo, because I thought that's how it was spelled. I mean, someone correct me if I'm wrong on that, tweet me on that one, because I don't actually know what the Americans call him, Isaac Dogbe. Anyway, Isaac Dogbo wins in emphatic fashion against Hidenori Otaki over the weekend with a great first round stoppage. It was a great performance from Dogbo, a really fantastic performance, an emphatic performance. He blew his opponent away, Otaki, and I said last week that I did think it would be a win for Isaac Dogbo, but I didn't expect it in this fashion, to be honest with you. I I did think it would go a few rounds, and I thought it would take him a few rounds to break this guy down, but he, he broke him down very quickly in this one and the left hand didn't seem to miss throughout that first round and he was dropped the first time with a great left hand then he was stopped sort of I think he touched the canvas from what I can remember but he was given a standing eight count for a second one and then the referee stepped in on the third occasion where he was looking like he was going down you know very imminently and he just looked really emphatic in doing so in what he did on Saturday night and I think he since his arrival on the world stage after winning the title a few months ago I think he's becoming one of the the feared fighters in this division now I mean I'd like to see what other people think on that but for me surely now if you're another fighter out there in that division you've got to be thinking to yourself this guy is the real deal this guy is he's probably going to be a guy that no one wants to fight because he's going to be avoided. I genuinely, genuinely do think he'll be avoided quite quite quickly. I mean, look at what you've got around him. He beat Jesse Magdaleno to win the title, and now he goes and beats Otaki in emphatic fashion. He was expected to beat Otaki, to be fair, but he beats him in emphatic fashion. In, and you think to yourself now, look at all the other names around there. You've got Luis Neira, you've got Ray Vargas, you've got TJ Doney, who had a great win last weekend to 
capture the IBF version of the title, you, you're going to start to think, are they, is anyone really going to want to get in with this guy now? I mean, based on that performance, it should strike, and, and rightly so, should strike sort of fear into the hearts of a lot of fighters in and around the division. But there's some really other good fighters out there. I mean, obviously, Lewis Neary, 26-0 undefeated. Ray Vargas, 32-0 undefeated. TJ Doney, 20-0 undefeated. So these are the types of fights that you're going to be expecting for, for Dogbo now. Is it's them three names in particular, and the names that you would expect him to get in with in his next couple of fights. And I, I think he's, he's a guy not to be messed with, and I think he could essentially rule this division. I mean, I've not seen anything otherwise to suspect that he couldn't do it. There's some great opponents to face, and only time will tell whether or not he will rule the division. But I think we do need to see some big unification fights now for him. I think we've, we've seen him. He's won the world title. He's blew, in a, blew away a top 20 opponent quite easily. He needs to be in them big fights. And I, I think, for me, the Lewis Neary fight is the one that I'd be edging towards a, a fantastic unification fight. I think that'd be the fight that I think everybody would want to see. I mean, Lewis Neary is actually the WBC champion at the moment. So a WBC champ versus the WBO champion would be an absolutely fantastic fight for boxing. A really, really good fight. And I don't know who would fancy in that if that ever came off. I think uh, I think based on the performances, I, I think at the moment I'd have to go with Dogbo. I, th- I think I would have to sit on sit on the edge uh, uh, with Dogbo at the moment because I do think he'd be the guy that could beat Louis Neary. I really do. I mean, again, people are going to always have the uh, opinions on this one, but I do I do genuinely believe that he is um, he's a force to be reckoned with in the division, and I think that's that's the fight I want to see. To be honest, that is the fight I, I would like to see for him now. It is Lewis Neary. I think that would be a fantastic fight for him. Obviously, with Neary, he won the WBC bantamweight title and moved up to super bantamweight, and automatically they, they've put him straight in uh, at sort of the top end of the ranking. So you'd expect that this would be a fight that could be quite easily made, a fight that people would like to see. Uh, it's, like I said earlier, it's definitely one I want to see. Definitely one I want to see. I think that's the the best fight for Isaac Dobbo at this moment. I mean. Let's look around else at what we, what we could be looking at here. I mean, I've talked about Ray Vargas. That, that's a potential fight for him. Uh, I, I don't know whether the Dhoni fight would come off. You've even got people like Diego De La Hoya, uh, nephew of, of Oscar. You know, maybe that could be a fight that coming off. He's coming off uh, 21 wins at the moment and undefeated. He's a potential future opponent for him. So we'll have to wait and see, as always, what comes next for him. But for me, I think the Lewis Neary fight is the one that whets my appetite. In terms of breaking down the fight with Otake, there's not really much I can break down in this one. I think it was quite obvious that from the off, there was a golfing class of opponent here. I mean, Dogbo, fantastic with the left hand all night. He couldn't miss it throughout that first round whatsoever. And it was that left hand that proved to be the, the telling factor in there. And, and the way he was able to get the shots off, the way he was able to get in the pocket quickly and get out quickly. And he, I think Otaki looked levels apart in this fight and it was a nice controlled emphatic executed performance from Isaac Dogbo and I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased to to see that he isn't just a, a one trick pony and he isn't just a fluke that went over Magdaleno he is the real deal it really is and it's it's fantastic to see a new breed of super bantamweight out there and, and someone else to be excited about in the division so I really enjoyed that fight and I've given sort of my thought on what I, I, I think will happen next but I would love to hear what your thoughts are 
about this. Did you feel the performance was as emphatic as what I'm saying? Did you feel it was pretty bang average against the level of opponent he was in with? Do you think a fight with Lewis Neary will come off? Remember where we are at BTR Boxing Pod. Tweet me, let me know at Sean Basta with SBR. I want to know your thoughts on this one and, and where you think Isaac Dogbo should go next. So, let's move on then swiftly to the next fight, which was Ray Beltran defending his title against Jose Pedraza. For the winner, by way of unanimous decision, and the new WBO lightweight champion of the world, the Puerto Rico, Jose Pedraza. Jose Pedraza upsetting the apple car against Ray Beltran on Saturday night. Heartache for Ray Beltran. Worked so hard to get that world title and it's been ripped away from him just like that. Great fight? Yeah, I think it was a great fight. And the scorecards, I don't know if it did the fight justice because I think up until Beltran got the knockdown or received the knockdown in the 11th round I had the fight quite close and when I say quite close I mean probably one or two rounds in the fight and could have been scored either way at this point but then when the judges give the final verdicts we had a 115-112 and two 117-110 cards to Pedraza so a unanimous decision for him do people really think it was that wide? I mean, I'm not so sure. I mean, when I watched the fight, I felt it was a little bit closer than that. But the knockdown will have obviously made the the, the, the telling difference. If I was going to score that fight and I was going to give it a, a, a score, I think I probably would have, up until the knockdown, I, you know, I, the fight probably for me would have been a sort of 150, 113, probably Pedraza's way. I would have been swinging for that. But I think the knockdown obviously made a difference. But 117, 110, it was quite wide. I wasn't expecting that scorecard or them two scorecards. To be fair, so I was I was quite surprised that they didn't the judges didn't give more rounds to Beltran. However, I do feel on on reflection of watching the fight that Beltran has. I think he's got old overnight. I, I think that was you know he's 37 years of age, and I think that was the night where we seen him look his age in the ring, and he didn't look as good as what he's previously looked. And I think now for me. What else is there to do for Ray Beltran? I mean, he's 37 years of age. He's achieved his dream of becoming a world champion. He's lost to Jose Pedraza. And now, I mean, at 37 years of age, does he really want to come back and try again? I mean, he might do. He might want to. He might want to do it. He might have the hunger and desire to do that. But will he be able to beat another one of the world champions in that division? I think that's the question you've got to ask yourself. Who else could he beat in that division to become a world champion if he was to go down that route again? Well, for me, I don't think he beats. I don't think he beats any other champion in the division, as far as I'm concerned. I think that that that, that title that he won was the, the the best opportunity for him to become a world champion. He became the world champion uh, against Paulus Moses, and now he's lost it to Jose Pedraza. You look at the lightweight division. And you've got the guys like Vasily Lomachenko, Mikey Garcia, Jorge Linares, Luke Campbell, Robert Easter Jr. You know, you've even got Anthony Crawler floating around still there at, at world level. Luke Campbell, you know, he's fighting Ivan Mendy on the Joshua Povetkin undercard for the right to be the WBC mandatory challenger. So 
could you see him beating guys like that now? I, I honestly don't think we could. Let, let's be real about it. I mean, if, if you say otherwise, then please please tell me and tell me your argument for that because I genuinely don't th- don't think he beats anybody else in that division now. I think he had a great shot against Paulus Moses, who, to be fair to him at the time, wasn't a, a world beater either. And I think he got the best luck of run at the time and he got a deserved world title. But now, unfortunately, he, he, he's lost it to Pedraza, who looked the better fighter over overall on the night Pedraza goes on and looks like he's potentially going to face Lomachenko which we can discuss uh, the news and gossip section today but I'll, I'll be honest with you I do feel for Beltran here because he was setting this up for a massive money showdown for Beltran against Lomachenko and now he probably isn't going to get that which is really unfortunate for him because that probably would have secured him for life in terms of financials and it's a, it's a crying shame for a guy like Bert Beltran who's given a lot to the sport and he has a really great story behind it all as well and I do feel for him I'll be honest I didn't want him to lose I did want him to win but I wasn't sure about this one I wasn't sure whether Pedraza could sneak a victory here and he has done and obviously the judges saw it differently to what I saw it and they saw it a lot wider uh, and, and a more you know indefinite, indefinite win for, for Pedraza in this one so he's looking like Pedraza goes on and gets the Lomachenko shot which again you look at them two fighters and you just see the Lomachenko win all day I think that's what people are going to say Pedraza is going to be the champion for no more than a couple of months and then Lomachenko's going to take it from him but at the end of the day now Ray Beltran what, what does he go where does he go from here don't know I honestly don't know I, I don't want to say I hate, I hate sitting here and saying a fighter is shot is he shot <laughs> after the performance against Pedraza I'd say he's definitely lost his touch he's definitely slowed down a bit he's not the fighter he once was he's a lot older could he come back he could but he may not get another chance at a world title and he may not he may end up becoming a gatekeeper for the division which is again a bit of a shame if that's where he ends up going but I can understand if he needs to carry on boxing for money reasons I do understand that but it is a crying shame if he you know if he has to carry on his career I'd stop he's able to retire now and, and enjoy his retirement with his family but Pedraza moves on and Pedraza again he wasn't a guy I was expecting to to win the fight I think initially when I, when I, when I talked about it last week he'd lost previously last year in the world super featherweight title shot against Giovanni Davis who again looks a, a class apart from some of the fighters in his division so you, you, you look at the fighters he'd been in with and you think to yourself is he really going to beat a guy as experienced as Ray Beltran and he did he hustled him he hustled him all the way through the fight and he got the victory and now he moves on to a potential shot of Vasily Lomachenko in December so fair play to Pedraza for getting the win and out hustling uh, a, a guy like Ray Beltran you know fair play to him for that it was uh, it was a decent performance from him uh, again I wouldn't say he's could he beat any of the other champions in the division no I don't think he could and I think when we talk about alphabet titles and too many world titles and this is uh, this is why we have this conversation about if if there wasn't all these titles in each division would you really see guys like Pedraza and Ray Beltran have won world titles probably not no you probably wouldn't have seen it you probably, you probably would have never seen him got that, that opportunity uh, to become that champion uh, well well you probably would have seen him get the opportunity to become a champion but you probably wouldn't have seen him become a champion especially if you only had like one or two titles and you've got the likes of Lomachenko and Mikey Garcia sat there and people like Lanara still sat around I don't think we would have seen Beltran become a champion or Pedraza become a champion but that is another story and another rant for another day 
but it's the truth. It is the truth. So, Jose Pedraza goes on to a potential money shot at Vasily Lomachenko in December. So, let's move on then. And should we go to next weekend action? No, because there isn't any. <laughs> what a ridiculous weekend. I hate it when there's no boxing. I really do. I mean, the football season's well up and truly going at the moment, but I want boxing. But I wanted to touch on the card from the Withenshaw Forum this past weekend I weren't able to get to attend that show but I, you know I, I really wanted to give a shout out to the guys that are on the show and the guys that you know got the victories on that card and, and for the guys that listen to the podcast all, a lot of local fighters do listen to it from the northwest area so obviously I want to give them props for, for, for their performances on Saturday night at the William Shaw Forum in Manchester Ross the Boss Cooksey picked up another victory as he stormed on to 6-0 Ryan Oliver beat a very durable Willie Warburton who we spoke about on last week's show Jake Kelly picked up his fourth victory over Jordan Granham uh, Taz Asperger's picked up his sixth victory over Dean Jones with the debut of Jade the Blade Taylor who picked up a victory Zach Burton Hosea's brother moved to 2-0 and Jackson Hume made his debut and picked up a victory on Saturday night at Witham Shore Forum in Manchester so props to all you guys out there well done for getting the victories uh, be glad to go and see you soon uh, and see you back in action very soon as the new season starts so going back to what I was saying about this weekend's action I, you know, I was thinking to myself, is there anything on this weekend? Right, I can't think of anything whatsoever, so I'm going to have to trawl through BoxRec's schedule and look at whether there is actually any decent fights on this weekend. And you know what? There really isn't. I mean, if you're a really hardcore, and I mean super hardcore boxing fan, then you might catch some fights going on this weekend over in America. Uh, there is local shows on. The Steffi Bull's got a promotion on at the Doncaster Dome. When you've got the likes of Cello Render on there, he's fighting. You've got Lee Appleyard on that card as well. You know, and the no- names that might be notable for people that listen locally to the podcast. Uh, we've also got another card uh, over at Villa Park in Birmingham. So you've got a lot of local fighters on there. That's a uh, Tommy Owens promotions there. Uh, and then over in America, you've got a couple of promotional shows over there. But I can't, again, there's none that are really notable fights that people that may listen to the podcast will know of because there are, a lot of them are up-and-coming fighters. So there's not really a lot I can cover off for, for next weekend's boxing. I think I'll leave uh, a, a lot of the stuff for the news and gossip section however this week sees the return of boxing history on this day down goes Frazier down goes Frazier the dream is made real Ricky Hunt rocks the world how do you like it how do you like it do you know shit about boxing I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass it's over Mamma mia he's done it Anthony Joshua defeats Yes, it's the return of boxing history on this day and I've picked out two fights out of time that have come up in this week's timeline to discuss with you guys. So, the first one, and it happened on 28th of August 1959. Gene Fulmer stopped Carmen Basilio in round 14 out of 15 to win the vacant NBA, which became the WBA in 1962, world middleweight title at the Cow Palace in Daly City, California. So after Sugar Ray Robinson was stripped of his championship due to inactivity, 
former claim the title in the Ring Magazine's Fight of the Year, which marked the fifth straight year Basilio competed in boxing's top bout in a June 1960 rematch. Former stopped Basilio in round 12 to retain his title. And the second one I've picked out for you happened on August the 29th, and it wasn't too long ago. It was 2015. It was Leo Santa Cruz beating Abner Mares by a 12-round majority decision to win the vacant WBA featherweight title at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. It was an action-packed bout. Both fighters were caught by accidental headbutts. It combined total punches were thrown in this fight of 2,000 punches. Wow, so hell of a lot of punches for that fight. The unbeaten Santa Cruz held off an early charge by Mares to become the three-division world champion after already having earned titles at 118 and £122. So, there you go, boxing history on this day returns. Two fights in time there, and I'll be looking forward to getting some more back on the podcast in the coming episodes. So let's move on then and go to today's final section, which is going to be the most lengthiest section of the week because there's so much to talk about. It's the news and gossip section. Now, I didn't want to turn the news and gossip section into a rant of the week section, but the first subject that I'm going to talk about is what was on a lot of people's lips over the weekend. It's not something I wanted to essentially cover uh, as a predominant boxing subject on the podcast, but it's something I can't ignore and something I do feel has to be addressed in this episode and on the news and gossip section. So, if you follow Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat's social media platforms, you'll have seen the article that was written by myself about Logan Paul and KSI doing battle at the Manchester Arena on Saturday night in front of 20,000 screaming teenagers and YouTube lovers and I think it was only fair that I do have some comments to make on it on the podcast episode so if you read the article you probably would have felt like I was a bit of a bashing to these two guys and it, it essentially it wasn't really a bashing towards them I think it's more for me personally when I go around and I interview the fighters and I see the fighters and the hard work determination the, the juggling of family life and being able to work and being able to train all at the same time and struggling to make ends meet to, to sell out to sell tickets as well and only end up fighting in say about three four hundred people at a leisure centre at the start of their careers and, and trying to get that graft in there is, is difficult for them and not every one of them guys will make it to the top some of them may get to central area level British level European level some of them I'm not, I've got no doubts about some of them will go to world level and become that big star however not everybody gets the opportunity to do that and I think my only gripe with the whole event as such and the the way it was made into this huge event was because of guys like that that never will get that opportunity to do that and for me it was two guys that are essentially at white collar level just coming in and and, and having this exhibition bout and I can understand why they've done it because from a business perspective it makes great sense for them to make the money that they've made out of it. Now a lot of people were speculating about how much buys it would actually make because it was being charged £7.54 on YouTube to watch it. So how many buys would it make? Well, 
Eddie Hearn actually said on Twitter he didn't think it'd even surpass a certain amount. I think he said up something like six, seven hundred thousand. He didn't think it'd surpass something along them lines. Anyway, KSI has told Talksport that his fight with Logan Paul ended up doing over one million pay-per-view buys in total across both YouTube and the second website they were using to sell it. Over a million pay-per-view buys for a fight where it's essentially two guys that have trained in a white collar format for however long they've trained for and, and, and don't do it for a living and wore head guards and it wasn't a professional bout but yet it sold over one million pay-per-view buys which is is ludicrous when you put it like that it's great business sense from these two guys they've made their living off youtube ksi being a, a uk gamer logan paul i don't have a clue what logan paul does to me he's just another american guy that puts videos on youtube and he's doing well for himself and makes a lot of money out of it. I can understand why they've done it from a business perspective. I just feel for the guys that are at the bottom of the ladder trying to make their way up and may never get something like this. And it's just, you know, how easy these guys have been able to come along and do what they've done. And, and from all accounts, it was a great event. And it was, you know, all the YouTube lovers, this generation of teenagers love YouTube and they love watching the videos from these type of guys and they love watching the, the YouTube fights on the undercard as well and you know there was a lot of professionals involved in the event at the weekend there was a few professionals backstage helping out with the corners, helping out with getting them ready for the fights and you know fair play they probably got paid for that and they probably got paid a decent amount of money which is probably why they've done it because a lot of these guys that was there actually promote fighters that I'm referring to so I can, I can understand I mean there was a few celebrities there as well to be fair I'm not a bitter person about the whole thing and I, I, someone was actually saying to me on Twitter this is bitter about the article I wrote it's not bitterness whatsoever the guys have got great business sense for doing what they've done they're going to make a load of money on it it's ended up in a draw the actual result ended up a draw and there's a rematch in America so they're going to make a ton load more money on it because the American fans will support Logan Paul and America's a lot bigger place and there's going to be a lot more YouTube lovers over in America with a huge population it's got as a country so it's going to make a hell of a lot of money more money than I could ever dream of even making so at the end of the day business acumen fair play to them I can't, I can't fault them for that when it comes to the boxing side of things leave it to the leave it to the the guys that train their asses off you know leave it to them i'd prefer it if they didn't do it but i understand people's points of views and and what they think about it and and whatnot i didn't watch it i'll be honest I, I, it didn't interest me whatsoever the only part i felt a bit sorry for was was the like i say the guys that i go out and interview and some of them might never make this this type of event or even be able to get on an undercard <laughs> of an event that'll sell out the manchester arena so it is it is pretty sad state of affairs people will say it brings new eyes to boxing yeah i get that as well but and for me it's not it's not interpretation it's not my interpretation of boxing when i look at that sport i wouldn't want to look at a sport and see two guys that are amateurs that are just doing it to make a load of money off it i'd want to see guys that genuinely work hard to achieve their goals i like an underdog story that's more of the type of guy i am uh, as a lover of the sport so that's my opinion on it i've seen loads of social media stuff about it everyone had their own opinions on about it so i'm not going to rant on any more and i want to move on to the real boxing news 
news now and the first one on the list is the announcement today of Huey Fury facing Kubrat Pulev which is going to be in Bulgaria and it's an IBF heavyweight final eliminator to Anthony Joshua's crown and it's going to be on Channel 5 on October the 27th which is fantastic news for boxing lovers because especially UK boxing lovers because we're going to get to see it on terrestrial TV and that's really really good I mean we've seen this year uh, in the past 12 months Josh Taylor O'Hara Davis Josh Taylor Victor Postol Huey Fury Sam Sexton and now Huey Fury Kubrat Pulev on terrestrial TV so I mean people give Mick Hennessy a lot of shit but at the end of the day he's brought some great fighters to terrestrial TV and this is going to be another one and this is going to be a great fight I'm going to see what people's opinions are on this remember to tweet me at BTR Boxing Pod at Sean Basto ESBR I really want to know what people's thoughts are on this one I'm going to give you my initial thoughts about this fight right now my thoughts are if Huey Fury can box his way on the back foot without getting caught and box positively and not negatively like he did against Joseph Parker then he outboxes an older, probably a little bit slower Pulev. If he doesn't and he tries to stand and trade with the guy, he he isn't going to get very far because I do think Kubrat Pulev is is a monster puncher and we've seen him, we hurt Klitschko on numerous occasions before he was stopped himself. He's a big puncher and I think he would land on anyone, he would probably give them a lot of problems. So for me, Huey Fury wins this fight and he wins it on points and he wins it being smart, getting in and out of the pocket, boxing on the back foot if he has to, countering but making himself look busy in the process, making sure that he gets them points scored in them rounds to become the IBF final mandatory challenger to Anthony Joshua you know, and potentially see that fight in the future. We never know. But it's just a great news for boxing and great news the fact that it is going to be shown on terrestrial TV so that anybody you can watch it you don't have to be on Sky you don't have to be on Virgin you don't have to stream it online and pay for it we're getting to see it on Channel 5 in the UK and on October the 27th so it's a fight that I am genuinely looking forward to well moving on then Luis Ritson will face Francesco Peretta for the European lightweight crown on October the 13th in Newcastle it's going to be announced officially tomorrow in a press conference up in Newcastle but it's been confirmed that it is going to happen and it's going to happen on that big bill up there where you've got Robbie Davis Jr. and Glenn Foote you've got Joshua Boazzi on there David Allen's on there as well so it's a really good fight and it's definitely a great fight for the Newcastle fans up there, the Geordie fans up in that area because they will want to see Lewis Ritson step up, he's blown away all his domestic opposition and now he's going to step up and go for the European crown and I think it's the right thing to do for him to be honest with you because at the end of the day he's blown away all his opponents at domestic level and he's made some really great opponents look silly and, and that for me it's, it's a really big fight for him and this is a really inte- a good in, a good step of intention and a sign of intention that they, they are looking to move him up I mean you look at Francesco Peretta's record he's 19-3 and three with only seven knockouts. Now, going back to his last three fights, or five fights, he's lost twice in five fights. He's lost to, funnily enough, Sean Dodd for the WBC International Lightweight title back in 2016. And he lost to uh, Eddie Tatley, who he also beat the fight before that. So, he's got a bit of a mixed record over the past few fights. So, do I expect a win for Ritson in this one? Oh yeah, hell yeah. Ritson is a banger. That That is my opinion, Ritson is a banger and this is a guy who's probably starting to get a reputation now as of recent 
times as a guy that's blowing people away. And he is. He's blowing them away. He's 16 wins with 10 knockouts. And them knockouts are just going to keep coming. And they're going to keep coming because he systematically breaks the opponents down. He really does. And his last five fights, he's knocked out all of his opponents or stopped them. So to me, he's continuing on the way up. And he's going to continue on the way up. And he's got the makings of a world champion, this guy. I mean, people might, again, people will say, oh, hang on a minute, hang on just a minute. You're jumping the gun there, Sean. I might be jumping the gun, guys, but at the end of the day, this guy has shown potential. If he can start blowing away his European opposition the same way he's been blowing away the British opposition, then I think we are seeing the development of something special here. And I think Eddie Hearn kind of knows this, and this is why he's now starting to step him up. I remember watching Luis Ritson beat Robbie Barrett on the undercard of Anthony Crawler Jorge Linares. And I remember saying, Eddie Hearn is going to sign this guy up when he sees that performance. Allow him behold a day or two later he signed him up and Ritson has not looked back since and I think Eddie Hearn will deliver these big fights for him which will be fantastic and I do hope he gets through Peretta uh, and the 13th October I do expect him to but you just never know in boxing so Lewis Ritson fighting for the European crown on the 13th October up in Newcastle so in other news then Eddie Hearn has revealed that Alexander Usyk and Tony Bellew is being planned for November the 10th in London Manchester or Liverpool if it happens he's expected to be signed within the next two weeks I think we've briefly touched on this in the last couple of episodes in in parts I am thoroughly looking forward to this fight I'm thoroughly looking forward to it and the more it gets talked about the closer it starts to become a reality the more I start to feel Tony Bellew beats Usyk and people will be going no 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 People will probably scream at me and go, no, Usyk is too good. He's beautiful boxer. He's got a great boxing IQ. So has Tony Bellew. This guy, Tony Bellew, right, has come from being a guy that got beat off Nathan Cleverly, what, seven years ago? And people were thinking, he's not really going to ever become anything. He went on to become the WBC Cruiserweight Champion. He moved up to heavyweight. He beat a David Hay. Maybe it was a little bit of a washed-up David Hay, an injured David Hay, but he's still beat David Hay nevertheless and he's still got a massive name on his record and to be honest with you he looks like he, he his punching power is, is a lot heavier I mean no pardon the pun up at heavyweight he seemed like he had a lot more meat in his shots I mean again his last four fights have ended in, in TKO stoppages he beat Maccabi he beat BJ Flores and twice David Hay so for me he's shown that that move up to heavyweight has obviously made it comfortable for him in training it's probably made it comfortable not, him not killing himself to make the weight and it's also made it very comfortable for him to be able to beat all the opponents that have been put in front of him at the heavier weight now <clears throat> we don't know yet whether it will be a cruiserweight battle but word in the boxing community that it is going to be one it is going to be a unified cruiserweight fight and as we know Usek recently won the World Boxing Super Series and has all the titles and we also know that Tony Bellew is the Emeritus Champion Champion in Waiting as they call it from the WBC so if he goes in there and beats Alexander Usek and unifies that division well you know you've got to start thinking about Tony Bellew being one of the one of the greatest British fighters that we've produced and again people are going to probably think to themselves you can't be saying this Sean people hate Tony Bellew people love Tony Bellew I personally 
personally, I, I, I've grown to the guy. I think when he got beat off a Donald Stevenson, for me, was when he turned a corner. When he lost to Stevenson and he came back, he seemed to be refocused. He seemed to drop the complete 110% cocky attitude that he had. Yeah, he still got it a little bit, but maybe that is just the confidence of the guy. Just like David Hay used to do as well. He was a very confident, cocky character. <coughs> he didn't always get him where he wanted to go, but I think for me, Tony Bellew has, has, has gone in there and backed everything up that he said recently. And I've got no reason to doubt him again if he goes in against Usyk. Usyk, on the other hand, he is a great boxer. Great boxer. The way he nullified Gassiev in the final was was a great boxing masterclass. Now, again, people will look at that and think it can outbox Tony Bellew and make it easy for himself all night. I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as that. If you know that's that, that's what people might just expect to happen. It could happen. I'm not saying it won't, but I just don't think that is the way that fight goes down. If I'm going to pick early predictions for win, well, obviously we've yet to see Usyk really tested, and I think until we see that, we're never really going to know whether or not he can take a full-blooded, full-on, 110% hard punch to the face. I mean, we've seen him take punches to the face before, but we've not seen him take anything as big as what Tony Bellew can land on an opponent. And for me, this is a really, really good fight. A great fight. A fight that could definitely elevate Tony Bellew into that sort of echelons of one of the greatest British fighters that they produced. And for Usyk, if he wins, it just gives more clout behind him moving up to heavyweight and potentially fighting some of the big heavyweight names out there beating Tony Bellew. So I'm really pleased that they're looking like they're going to be finalising that deal in the next couple of weeks and I am really excited for the fight. It's a fight that I think I'd be very much excited for because I genuinely couldn't predict it. I'd like to see Tony Bellew win personally because I've followed his journey from for a long time and, uh, well, what can I say? I'm saying I'm favouring... <laughs> I'm favouritising... Uh, I'm, I'm giving a bit of favouritism here to, to Tony Bellew, but I do what I do want him to win if that fight comes off. I'm not going to lie about it. I've followed the guy for about 10 years now, seeing what he's done, seeing where he's gone to, seeing where he's come from. And I really genuinely want him to win. And I'm British as well. I can't not like Usyk, of course, because he's a great character, but I'm British and I want to see that fight happen. I want to see Tony Bellew walk away the victor and retire, and retire with his millions behind him. Unified, unified cruiserweight champion. Nothing left to prove in boxing, and he can walk away happy. And go and spend time with his family so let's move on then to the next piece of news this week and last week we talked about Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder who featured heavily in the episode and over the past couple of days a lot of boxing media outlets are reporting that apparently Tyson Fury uh, is having second thoughts on the Wilder fight that's quite interesting information I don't know where these uh, sources are getting this information from but it was interesting to see on social media Tyson Fury responding to these claims let's just have a listen to what he had to say just a quick update I've been reading and uh, I've heard some rumours that this fight's off with me and Wilder not on my watch it ain't I'm not pulling out nothing it's on like Donkey Kong Tyson Fury is like Hakeem coming to America 
they go straight from the horse's mouth there from Tyson Fury. He's saying, not on my watch. He's going to America like Eddie Murphy and he's going to go and win the titles. Let's see if that actually comes off. I mean, I want that fight to really happen and I hope it's on the 17th of November, the week after Bellew and Usyk. That would be fantastic. Two fantastic fights and two weekends in a row. Wow, what a season for boxing that's going to be. But yeah, I, th- I think when you see this information pop out on social media, uh, on, on different media outlet websites, you start to question where this information is actually coming from. Unless unless you actually are a part of Team Fury and you're leaking this information out to the press, then you can't really sit there and speculate based on the word of mouth. It's like Chinese whispers when you was a kid in school. You know, you'd start off by saying, well, I want to go for a packet of salt and vinegar crisp. And by the time it got to the person at the end, it would be something like, I spread angel delight all over myself and I love it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like completely different rumours all the time. It's ridiculous how these things can plot a proportion. In reality, if he didn't want to fight him, it would only be because he probably feels he might need a bit more preparation. I've always agreed that he does need a bit more time, but I am excited if the fight comes off. Will he beat him? I would love to see it happen. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I hope it does come off because at the moment, Joshua Wilder isn't any closer to being done. It's, it's you know, there's too many politics involved, too much money involved, and it ain't going to happen anytime soon. We're going to see Joshua Povetkin, but then we're probably going to see him fight the winner of Pulev and Fury or in potentially fight Jarrell Miller in the future. We ain't going to see the Wilder Joshua fight if it ever happens back end of 2019. That's to say, if Wilder gets free of Fury, if that fight happens. So, it's all a bit of a confusing time at the moment. But Tyson Fury is adamant that he isn't trying to pull out of this fight. And he isn't having second thoughts about it. Uh, I, I do believe him. I do believe... Why would he sit there and post it on social media? Why would he take the time out of his day to say, I'm not pulling out of this fight? If it gets taken out of his hands, then that's understandable. If Frank Warren decides, well, actually, I'm gonna we're going to do something else, which Frank Warren has been known to do in the past then that, that, there's nothing he can do about that. But I'm pretty sure Frank Warren is going to want to get one over on Hedy Hearn by making the Fury and Wilder fight before he gets the chance to make the Joshua Wilder fight. I'm sure that's going to happen. So I don't know where this room is coming from. I don't know how true it is. It's probably not true, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens over the next coming weeks and whether that fight finally gets announced. We keep being told it is done. It's a done deal. It's signed, blah de blah de blah but we've yet to see any actual evidence of this, so we'll have to wait and see what happens on social media and press releases over the next week or so. So the final bit of news today, and it relates back to a podcast episode a few weeks ago, the New Light Heavyweight Era podcast that we did after Sergei Kovalev lost his titles to Alvarez, Idier Alvarez. Now, this week, we're getting confirmation from Kovalev's manager, uh, Igis Kilmes, that he's declared Kovalev will take up his contractual rematch option for a second fight with the New Light Heavyweight Champion Alvarez. That's quite interesting. I've said it a few weeks ago to Hamed on the podcast that I don't think he should come back and jump straight back in with Alvarez. He did that against Andre Ward, and we just we seen the results of that, didn't we? Really, he was mentally broken from that fight. He just he got frustrated.
retreated very quickly in the rematch and he ended up losing the rematch. I don't think he needs to do that. But then again, I've said it earlier, I've said it earlier in this podcast about people coming back like Beltran and going back to the top and things like that. I, I think if at 35 years old, if he doesn't take this rematch, he might not get another opportunity at world title. He won't, it's a big risk for him really because if he goes in there and loses again, I don't think a lot of other people are going to be that interested in taking the fight with him anymore because I don't think he'll bring as much to the table as he once did. I mean, you, do you see the likes of Donna Stevenson wanting to fight him? If he gets beat off Alvarez, he's just going to say, well, you got beat off an opponent that I consider to be lesser than myself. So he isn't going to want to take that fight. It puts Kovalev in a situation where he might not end up getting the world title fight again. So it's a big risk for him to take by going straight back in. Credit to him if he does it because he wants to try and avenge that loss immediately. But as I've said earlier in the light heavyweight episode, he needs to be mentally ready and focused and prepared and get rid of any demons from the first fight and make sure he goes in there. And he'd have to do a number on Alvarez. He'd have to do a number on him the way Dogbo done a number to Otaki over the weekend. That is the only way he'd be able to come back with a bang, literally. And that, that for me, would be what he needs to do to be able to get himself back up to the top echelons of the light heavyweight division. I do think it's a silly move, though. I do think it's a silly move. I do think if he goes back in there, he's possibly going to get beat again as he did against Andre Ward. I'm not guaranteeing that. There's no guarantees here on Beyond the Rose Boxing Podcast. I'm just saying that's what I think will happen. That is my opinion on the situation. If he goes in there and bangs him out and knocks him out within two, three rounds, then fair play to him. Fair play. He will get a, a big shot. Maybe a unification fight with Bivol or Stevenson in the future or a fight with Badu Jack maybe but I just don't know if mentally it's the right thing for him to do at this moment in time without going back to the drawing board maybe going back and seeing what new tactics he can bring I mean you can't really teach an old dog new tricks as they say so whether anything could change in coaching camp I don't know but I do think it's not the greatest decision in the world for him to take the rematch straight away but I could understand why money implications TV deals etc etc would obviously play a factor into it as well so we'll have to wait and see what happens on that score so that's it for news and gossip this week that is everything I've got for news and gossip for the week and there's been so much going on as of late in boxing that I just think it's so hard to keep up with everything that's going on. There's so many different things that that, that we love at the moment. That you know, all the the heavyweight scenes booming, the light heavyweight scenes booming. In a couple of weeks, we've got Canelo and Triple G too. I really can't wait for that fight. That is going to be an absolute cracking fight, and I will cover that off uh, in the episode about a week before. I think we'll do a, a good in-depth talk through the fight with Triple G and Canelo. The first fight and we'll give our assessment on that first fight and then we'll go into the second fight and see where the second fight might actually go really really good they did an open workout this week actually a lot of social media videos going around and um, <laughs> a lot of funny memes as well of course always go around when uh, when it comes to Canelo because of the whole Glen Buterol situation I didn't think I'd ever be talking about it again to be fair given a few months ago it was completely ruining him because of uh, the Glen Buterol situation but it's a fight that I'm not going to lie I'd want to see it I think it'd be a great fight I think people would enjoy it I think people have obviously got their their pick for who's going to win it so we'll again we'll just have to, to wait and see how that comes and whether we'll get to see a clear knockout or another clear winner uh, or another draw <laughs> God forbid another draw in this one uh, anyway that's about it for this week's episode you know 
that we've changed our hosting company from SoundCloud to Podbean. So we have got a new little mini website, which I'm uh, I'm quite happy about, about changing providers because we didn't really get the same level through SoundCloud as we did as we're getting through Podbean at the moment. So I am really enjoying the change. But for you guys that are listening to the podcast every week and you're following us every week, I need you to go over and I need you to follow us on this new website now on this new podcast episodes. It's Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast podbean.com if you go to that website you'll be able to follow us through there and get all access to all the historic episodes all the one-off episodes that we've done the boxing wish list the greatest heavyweights the life and times of angel man freddie and barry jones if you've not already heard that that is there from friday so get yourselves over and get following us on twitter again as always you know where to find us it's at btr boxing pod and on facebook beyond the ropes boxing podcast there we are there three platforms you can find us on if you're an iphone user you can find us on itunes I've, I've had to sync it all back up to put it back on itunes we're on stitcher we're on spreaker we're on TuneIn, we're on Castbox. every single podcasting app there is or the major ones that there are i've made sure that we are on there so that you guys however which way you listen you can find it on there if you do follow and subscribe to eat sleep boxing repeats youtube channel then we are always posting the episodes every week on there too so if you prefer to go on there and do it that way please do and whichever way you prefer to go on and listen to it i would thoroughly appreciate feedback from you guys whether it's just i enjoyed the show thanks very much or it's just a rating of however many stars you feel is appropriate for it we've got some great ratings obviously on the old platform so i'm really looking for you guys the listeners to get back on subscribing following rating reviewing get it all on there because if you don't do that it makes the podcast look like nobody listens to it in fact in reality people do listen to it because i track it every single episode so i know there's people listening every single week and i know there's a good number of people listening every single week it's not world beating figures don't get me wrong but it is a good number of figures and i appreciate every one of you for listening and listening to my thoughts and my opinions on there so please get yourselves over there subscribe review rate do whatever you see is fit but please leave us some sort of interaction because that is the way we build ourselves up that is the way we go back up the rankings that is the way people get exposed to this podcast more that is the way more top level fighters want to come on the show because they have heard of it they know of the show so please if you get over there make sure you leave us a comment make sure you leave us a rating because every single little bit helps us grow even bigger next week we should have Hamed back on the show looking forward to getting him back on because he's always got some great in-depth analysis of the fights and and his you know he's got a really great boxing knowledge I, I do really like having him on and you know hopefully in the future we'll be getting a few more fights us back on we've got the life and times of installments we've got the angel man freddy one the barry jones one you want to listen to that barry or jones one if you've not great insight from barry top guy loved speaking to him loved writing about his, his career and loved hearing about it from his mouth directly on that episode so get over and have a listen to that one really good episode but i have got plans for more life and times of with some great fighters of years gone by especially in these shows and i've even got one that i've set up for across the shows as i did with angel man freddy i've got another great one that i'm looking forward to getting out so please tune in and i will speak to you on the next episode thanks for listening
Smartcast Network.